Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. God, we're so grateful and uh, such a great privilege, God, to be with your church, to be with your people, and uh, just to to feel your presence, God. This is awesome. This is amazing. And Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus that you help me, Lord, to just to be faithful with you, to be faithful to my brothers and sisters this morning, Lord, just to open my heart and just to let you, your Holy Spirit use me to bring some uh, something, Lord, that's going to be helpful and, uh, and bless them, Father, in the name of Jesus, amen. Okie dokie, <clears throat> hosting the presence of God and... And I'm excited for the new place that you guys are going to get it. I'm praying for it. And I'm, yes, it's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Are you guys excited? Yeah. Come on. Come on. I saw that pic. That's fantastic. You know, let me tell I, 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 well, I'm not supposed to say that, but I'm going to say it anyway. I remember one time I was, that was many years ago, I was in Tampa at uh, River Church. And... Uh, most of you, you, don't, you probably don't know a guy called uh, Reinhard Bunk. At that time, was the beginning of the year. was like March, I think. And he was like preaching. Uh, I was sitting like from here to the back of this place. And uh, he was ministering. And at the beginning of that year, he said, I already want. They showed a video that they had uh, in, um, in Nigeria. They had. A crusades for six million people was saved in in just three months, and I got so ex- I was listening and seeing that I was so, and then suddenly you know uh, uh, Rodney stood up and Rodney he said you know we're gonna take up an, uh, take up an offering to to Reinhard Bank to bless his ministry. I I I thought wow what a great privilege that I had, not to hear the message, but to be there in that place and be able to sow a seed. Man, this is is huge. The privilege to be a part of something that God is doing. So in some of us, we are kind of shy of saying, we kind of ask, we kind of apologize asking you to give, you should be like, Please let me, you know, Ape and I, we have some people that call us sometimes and say, please let me know where we should invest our money for missions. Because some people, they understand what an honor, what a privilege to be part. So it's a privilege. You may say, you should not say that. But I'm just telling you, what a privilege for you to be part of this. What God is, is amazing, guys. It's awesome. God is doing something with you. You should be aware of that. He's moving you to a new level. He's inviting you to a new season. He's calling you out to be relevant in this hour. This is one of the darkest hours in America. And this is the time that God is calling a church that's going to be brave, that's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that's going to move with authority, that's going to go forward. I, I remember one time in, in, in that was Germany 10 years ago, we were talking 
uh, and they were, the pastors, they were crying and talking to me about how dark Germany was during that time for the gospel. And I just received a verse in my heart. It was like Isaiah chapter 60 that says, uh, uh, darkness are covering the earth. So that's it. Darkness are covering the earth. But the rest of the verse says, but upon you, my glory is coming. Arise and shine. Listen. Hey! I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to be excited in church, but I am. I don't care. Listen. This is the time for you to be excited. This is the time. I was so blessed by the worship this morning, especially that the first song that you guys were singing, you, you, you that got here late, you missed. The, that, you know, some of the worship, some of the worship today is so depressing. It's like going through, oh. Oh, yeah, who knows, maybe God one day, who knows, he's there, I don't know, maybe, who knows. But you know, man, you got to be, you got to know who you are, you got to know who God is. And now is the time, so I'm so excited for what God is doing with you guys for the new praise. And go for it, it's going to be fun, it's going to be exciting, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hosting the presence of God. David Brenner, he said, we cannot attain the presence of God. We are already totally in the presence of God. What is missing is awareness. A.W. Tozer, he's one of my favorites. He said, nothing in or of this world measures up to the simple pressure of experiencing the presence of God. Charles Finney said, if the presence of God is in the church, the church will draw the world in. If the presence of God is not in the church, the world will draw the church out. Come on. And Leonard Heaven here, oh, I love him. I love this guy. He said, you can have all your doctrines right, yet you still not have the presence of God. You can have a nice church, you can have a good, good theology, and yet not have the presence of God. Let me tell you, if you want to change this nation, we have to go for the presence of God. If you want to change this generation, this young generation in America, they are desperate for identity. They are desperate for someone that's going to show them who they are, that's going to show them the call. You know, I was talking, oh, I don't want to go there, but I was talking to young people yesterday, and I told them that Egypt, which means, you know, generation, they took the king of Jerusalem, and the first thing they, they did was change their name. Babylon, when they took the prince from Israel, from Jerusalem, the first thing they did was change their name. 
Then when John the Baptist was born, the first thing the neighbors tried to do was say, no, 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 let's put this name on him. So it seems like everybody wants to change who you are. And they, oh, come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. You have to wake up and see that you have a calling for this hour. And there is no way to do what God called us to do without the presence of God. Come on. Come on. Most of you or some of you or a lot of you came from, from uh, uh, Latin American nations or, or other nations. And you think that you are here by accident? You are here for a reason. And I'm, I don't, do not be offended by me, but America has so many good preachers. They don't need Judson. They have so many good theologians. They don't need our, my Brazilian theology. But they desperate need a church that moves with the presence of God. They desperate need to see the glory of God again. To fall in love with Jesus again. Come on. That's why God is calling you. That's why he's shaking you and shaping you for this hour. That's why for many years God took time to train you guys with discipleship. Not, not running. Not trying to prove anything. You are not trying to prove anything. Just be what God called you to be and you're going to see what God's going to do with you. Do that make sense to you guys? Hmm. There's something about the presence of God. You cannot have both. Or you have the presence of God, or you are a man, a, a, or you try to please people. You have to choose. If you want the presence of God, you gotta be ready. I just saw someone posting on Instagram saying, Oh, I cannot post what I think about this. Because they're going to kick me out from Instagram. I, I totally understand that. But if you want to have the presence of God, you're going to make people sometimes uncomfortable. And they're going to try to push you away. Because the presence of God reveals the heart of the person. The presence of God brings light to the darkness. If you're trying to hide something, when the presence of God comes, brings light. And you say, oh, yeah, the presence of God comes to expose me. No, comes to heal your heart. Light is not to kill you. It's to raise you up to your destiny. You get that? Oh, come on. I grew up in a, in a very traditional church. And my theology, my, my parents were fantastic pastors and, and missionaries. And I had that kind of uh, understanding that God was behind the door waiting me for me to make a mistake so who could jump out and say, ha-ha, I got you. So, you know, so kind of legalistic, you know, way of thinking. And, you know, he's God and, and he's watching over me to see if I make a mistake and say, I knew you are a sinner. And... and, and so later on, I realized that, yes, he's there, not hiding. He's there in case I fall. He comes and says, come on, son. I love you so much. You're better than this. I know who you are. You came from me. You are my son. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. 
So what draws me to the presence of God is not fear from his condemnation, but the revelation of his love and passion for me. The way how he looks at me makes me, oh, makes me desperate for him. I do not worship because I want to uh, 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 receive something, but because of, of who he is. Oh, come on, Lord. You didn't say how many I have. Ten more minutes, fifteen more minutes. Hey. Uh, in Brazil, for many many years, not, not even in Brazil, other nations, they call us, and and a lot of people they call us, invite us, and uh, and they said, please come, we want revival, we want the presence of God. But several occasions when we got there, for our surprise, what they want was to use God's presence. For their benefit. And that's not the right approach to the presence of God. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 1 and 8, 1 through 8, you're going to find a passage that I love very much when Jesus takes three of his disciples to a place of privacy. And the Bible says that the clothes of Jesus shines and everything. Then you see Elijah and Moses next to them. And they are talking. Then, then one of the disciples, Peter, he said, oh, let's build a, a tent here for me. One, one for Jesus, one for Elijah, one for Moses. And then the Bible says that a voice came from heaven saying, uh-oh, hold on your horses, Peter. Relax. Do you see my son? It's about him. It's not about Elijah. It's not about Moses. It's about my son. When the presence of God comes, puts everything in the right perspective. An authentic move of God points to Jesus. I have a serious problem with a move that puts emphasis on man and not in Jesus. That may shock you, but the church is not to make you feel good. We are not even here to make you happy. We are here to give you eternity. To guide you through your death. Oh, Jesus. Hey. One of the church that, if I could, I would send my resume is the church of Ephesus. I would tell them, you know, I, I do it for free. You don't have to pay me. I'd I be bivocational, trivocational. <laughs> I do whatever. It's the church of Ephesus. Just open your Bible. I, I, I want to go faster, but let's try this. Ephesus, Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. Am I going, are you guys okay? I'm going too fast for you. Are you picking up my accent? Yeah. That my accent was the key to make April fall in love with me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. When she saw me talking like this, she said, oh, I got, my goodness, I got to handle that. <laughs> Yeah, the only thing took 27 years for her to give me my green card. 
Three years later, she said, okay, I think I can trust you. I'm going to give you a green card. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> there you go. To the angel of the church in Ephesus writes, the words of him who holds the seven stars in the right hand, da, 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 da. golden lampstand. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you're, you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you. It's amazing. What amazing church. A church has apostolic discernment. Patiently growing. A good theology. Discipleship. Works. I, I want to be a part of that church. But then the Lord changed the tone. He said, but I just have one problem with you. Let's see what problem is that. But I have this against you. That you have abandoned the love you have. Don't mat, don't mat, let me tell you this. Do not, don't matter how big this church grows. Don't ever lose the fire for the presence of God. I beg you in the name of Jesus. I beg you in the name of Jesus. Do not lose the simplicity of the gospel. The passion for the presence of God. I've been to so many churches. I work with leaders all over the nations. And I'm, I'm telling you, a big church do not impress me. But what impresses me is still a people that still have tears when they talk about Jesus. But their eyes shine when they talk about, oh, come on, Jesus. Oh, there goes my water. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you. That's okay. All right, so Friday we're going to have worship night, not Sunday. <laughs> and thank you. Thank you. No, no problem. And that church so mature. And, you know, uh, some Christians, they grow so much that they lose the passion for Jesus. Let me tell you, give me a hundred Christians that... They don't know all the verses by heart, but they know how to call out to Jesus. Come on. Did you guys get this? Do that make sense to you? Yeah, I'm going to drink one. We need a better, a better stage, right, guys? No, this is fantastic. We're moving. We're moving. Yeah, there you go. Next time, you don't, you're going to have to use this. Hmm. Hey, Jesus. Hey, Jesus. In the Song of Solomon, chapter 5, there is a picture of a, a bride. You, you probably know that. And, and she's sleeping comfortably, comfortable in her bed. And uh, the bridegroom, her lover, knocks on the door. And she sends a message. She said, you know what? I'm tired. I'm ready to go to bed. I don't want to go out anymore. 
And then something happens that the love goes back to her. And she stands up and she opens the door and she's she looking for the beloved. And she said, I don't see him anymore. And then she said, you know what? I'm not going back to bed. I'm going to go after my beloved. And then she walks on the streets of that city. And then the guards of that city, they start beating her. And they abuse her. And she is bruised and, and hurt and maybe bleeding. And then she sees other people and she says, look at me. She didn't say that. She says, look at me. I'm hurt. The ones that were supposed to take care of the guards of the wall were supposed to protect me. They hurt me. Poor me. She did not say that. She did not complain about her pain. I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I will. <laughs> if I have to. A lot of people, when I get to them, they tell me, oh, look at me. Look what the church did to me. Look what the pastor, these candles, all the baptists, look what they, I'm bruising, I'm bleeding. It's the church's fault. But let me tell you one. Once you grab the presence of God, you don't care if people criticize you, if they call you crazy, if they call you, if they laugh at your accent, if they say that you are insane. You stand up. That, that girl, she stood up and she said, look, if you find my beloved, tell him that I am lovesick. I'm, I'm desperate for him. I'm praying for a church that's going to be so in love with Jesus that they, they're not going to pay attention to the accusations or persecutions or people that criticize them or hurt them because the passion and the love for Jesus surpasses everything. Once you have the presence, all of that go away. How I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Hosting the presence. It's funny that when the pastor called me this week, and uh, to be honest, I was going to say no. But I couldn't because a few hours before, I said, okay, Lord. I sat on my porch, and I started singing a song, a spontaneous song, and singing Okay, I'm stepping out of the cave because I found out that there were 7,000 that's still in love with you. I was singing. Then I prayed, okay, Lord, if you want me to, to go and do more and bless other, then you called me that day. And then I thought to myself, <laughs> then I told April, I don't want, I, I said, oh. I, I, I was trying to find an excuse not to do it. Then I had to say yes. And, uh, and I said, Lord, what am I going to talk about hosting the presence? The first thing that came to me was on earth as it is in heaven. So for my surprise, the, first song that you, the second song that you guys were singing this morning was the, 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 the prayer that Jesus taught the disciples. On earth as it is in heaven. And, uh, oh, come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. For me, this is one of the most important keys in Christian life. 
in order for me to do it here, I need to know how heaven works. In order for me to understand and to leave one. All right. You're going to. Let me see. I'm going to make a shortcut here. Jesus told the disciples, that's how you pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have so much about that to talk. When we're talking about hosting the presence, it's about bringing heaven down. It's bringing the presence of God down. So in order to do that, you have to, uh, you have to look, you have to see how heaven works. Jesus said in John 5, 19, he said, I don't do anything that I don't, don't see the Father doing first. And for my surprise, we do so much without asking God. And if we want to have the presence of God, we have to see, God, how, how it is in heaven, show me. How heaven works, that how, that's the way how we want to do church. How does the worship team in heaven work, that's how we, we want to have worship in our church. So then you have to go to Revelation. Are you guys getting it? In oh, come on, Jesus. Revelation chapter 4. The Bible says that God tells him, tells John, John, come up here, John. And, and John sees the throne of God. Let me tell you, can you just worship Tim come back? So we can finish with her. He said, come up here, John. And now you show you. I was thinking, Pastor, this week, actually I heard someone talking about this, and it was really strong, and I w I'm thinking about that the whole week. If you go to the book of Revelation, you're not going to find one part. There was many songs in the book of Revelation, but you're not going to find any song they were singing by one angel alone. It's always 24 elders, four living creatures, Thousands and thousands of worshipers. Thousands of thousands of angels singing holy, holy, holy. I believe, and this is Jude speaking, that in the end times, the church is going to grow into maturity. And we're no longer going to need, we, we're no longer going to value just one person, but we're going to understand the power and the value of the body of Jesus Christ. We are going to work and function as a body of Jesus Christ. And that the authority of the bride is going to be so awesome and so great and so manifested in the last days. The book of Revelation shows a picture of thousands of thousands at the same time. Worshipping and praising God. Jesus, Jesus. 